0: Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode
1: 178 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, and I am here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Excited about this conversation. I know. It's been on our list, and sometimes there's those topics that we just, for whatever reason, haven't gotten around to in over 200 episodes. So we're talking about co-parenting today, which is like a big one. So this is going to be kind of an open-ended, very honest discussion about co-parenting. I wanted to say up front that co-parenting is not the same thing as talking about marriage or partnership, and in fact... Because of our two situations, we're going to talk about co-parenting as divorced parents, co-parenting as married parents. We do get a lot of listener requests to talk about marriage, and it's an important topic, but I think it's different,
0: don't you? It's, oh, totally different. (laughs) Um, It's part of it, you know, but I think what what, what has been interesting to me is how co-parenting has changed outside of a marriage. In some ways, it's totally the same. In some Mm -hmm. ways, it's totally different. In some ways, it's easier. In some ways, it's harder. So it's like, to me, that's like a completely separate conversation.
1: It is. And I I was thinking about this. And I also think that a lot of what we're going to talk about with co-parenting can actually happen not with a spouse, but um, with another primary caregiver. If you have a full-time nanny, or if there's a grandparent who does a lot of childcare, there are a lot of the same... Um, issues that come up in co-parenting that happen with that person. And they are not your romantic partner or your spouse or your ex-spouse. So we're definitely talking about parenting with another human, whoever that human is. I don't know. Whoever that human might be. Whoever it might be. Um, (laughs) I also wanted to mention that Allison is our resident new mom contributor right now. So she has come on with me three different times to talk about her transition um, going from mom of one to mom of two. She's had her baby now. And at the end of this show, you'll hear us chat about baby names, which is a totally fun Fluffy, frivolous topic, but I feel like one that you could talk about forever. So when we recorded, she had not had her baby and had not revealed the baby's name yet. Um, but the baby is now named. You can go find out the baby's name if you track her down on social media. But I'll leave it a little bit of a surprise so you guys can listen to our conversation when she was still kind of on the fence and debating. So that'll, that'll happen at the end of today's episode. And um, we're getting a lot of fun feedback about those segments with Allison. Okay. All right. So first up, we're going to talk about our sponsor, Cosabella. So we all love a good bargain as much as the next mom, but we've also learned the hard way that sometimes you actually save money by investing in a higher quality product that will last. And we think that Cosabella's line of bras, undies, and PJs, which are all made in Italy, is one of those splurges that really does pay off in the long run. They make high-quality sleepwear, loungewear, and lingerie, including nursing and maternity lingerie. And every piece that we have tried has been amazingly soft and comfortable and flattering and high-quality. The pajamas that I have been wearing, they're the Cosabella long-sleeve top and pants set. It's basically the rest of my pajamas have all been forgotten in the back of the drawer.
0: I really (laughs) do. It's all you wear. It's all I saw you in when I was
1: with you. It's all I want to wear. Um, I just feel a little bit more grown up and put together when I wear them. It's that simple. Totally worth it.
0: Yeah. And when we're talking about lingerie, since having babies, I just can't do big box bras anymore. It's like you go through all these changes and you don't get the support you need. It's so worth it to me to have fewer pieces that I love and are comfortable, even if they cost a little bit more. I love the Cosa Bella Sweetie Bralette. It is so pretty. It's incredibly soft. It's just like I already love bralettes to begin with, but it's elevated. I just love it. And we're excited to offer you a 20% discount on your Cosa Bella purchase. Just go to cosabella.com slash the mom hour and use the promo code the mom hour, and you're going to get 20% off your order if you order before November 15th. So hurry, because that's coming up quick here. Again, that's C O S A B E L L A dot com slash the mom hour and use the promo code the mom hour to save 20% on your entire order. Okay, let's talk about co parenting. Um, this is a big one. It is a I big one. I think you're going to need to lead me through this conversation. Well, I'll. I'll I'll tangent.
1: And my outline is not as structured as usual because I think this is like one of those conversations where we just need to kind of see where it goes. Um, I think where I wanted to start is, um, first of all, to say our listeners know this about us, but there's a lot of like traditional gender roles that are going to come out in this conversation. And I think you guys know that we know every family looks totally different and- however it works in your family is totally fine. I think there's some things in my family that fall more along traditional gender roles. It doesn't have to be that way. I don't necessarily think it should be that way. Um, So I don't know. That's kind of my blanket disclaimer. I really want all families to feel really included in this conversation. Um, And I also know that it can be, there's a lot of moms out there that are not totally happy with how co-parenting is going for them. And sometimes there's, we carry a little bit of like embarrassment about that. Like we think we need to have it all figured out. so I'm just leaving room for whatever you're feeling right now is okay.
0: Um, now, Sarah, let me ask you this really quick. Since you brought up gender roles, yeah. um, and traditional household, div- and I know the division of labor is different from parenting, but sometimes they can start to look the same. <laughs> yeah, because so, so there's so much crossover. I mean, and what, two things that have really uh, jumped out at me in your home are that Brian is very nurturing. Yes, He's a very nurturing dad, which isn't always seen as kind of a dad if we're going traditional, uh-huh. right? Um, wasn't always seen as a dad thing. And you've said that, that Brian does most of the cooking. So yeah. I think those are two ways in which your family does look a little different. Um, and I bet even people whose families seem to be totally down that line could find one or two ways that they deviate. Yes, so, absolutely.
1: Yeah. No, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's kind of fun to see how it's viewed from the outside. And you have, you know, observed my family. He's incredibly nurturing. He plays better than I do. And that maybe falls more under a dad stereotype of being like the playful one. Um, And he does as time goes on, he does more and more of the cooking. It's great. Um, (laughs) So I was going to start with how you think, um, like, what are the main things that you think kind of create the architecture or the structure about how co-parenting works? The things I thought of were like kind of your inborn personality types, and then also mm-hmm. job situation and schedules. Those to me seem yeah. like the big two. But can you think of anything else that's going to like, you know, we're starting with a blank slate of
0: two people yeah. raising
1: kids together. What are the other major factors here?
0: I I would say, well, job situation schedules, I was going to say travel, but I think that all falls into that. Yeah. I think that for, I think that it was m- more difficult than expected for us to shift away from the patterns we got locked into yes. when I was at home, he was working often out of town. Mm, okay. um, you just get you just get into a routine in a rhythm where mom expects to do certain things, dad expects to do certain things. And then when that shifted, um, for us, it really shifted when Owen was born. John was working on the road and came home. Mm -hmm. and my career was taking off. And so he was kind of like chief baby holder for a very long time. Um, Now, we still had little kids at home. Yeah. Besides just Owen, William was really little. I want to say Isaac may have only been in preschool or kindy, like half-day kindy. Mm -hmm. So there was definitely still like other kids in the house. And I think because I worked from home, those kids tended to still kind of come to me for the traditional mom stuff. Mm -hmm. But like Owen was... he would be brought to me to breastfeed and then it was back, he was, John was carrying him around like most of the day. Interesting. And so that was a very new thing for us. Yeah. And what took, what was difficult was that was the biggest thing that changed in at first that felt like such a break to me to like, to have a baby that I didn't have to hold all day. Not that I don't like holding my babies, but to have my hands free to work and still get to nurse and still Mm -hmm. get to be around felt like a huge luxury. So it didn't really occur to me to also ask him to take on more role with the cooking and with the other stuff. Like I was just so relieved to be able to use my hands that I didn't really think about it. And that caused a little tension later, which I, which as everyone got older, I do feel like starts to kind of shift and like, it becomes easier to start changing the co-parenting habits as kids get older and get out of that baby phase. But it was tough for a little while.
1: Well, I'm so glad you brought that up about the kind of the things that we ingrain Right, in the beginning, which we don't even know we're ingraining because we're so new to parenting. I mean, you have this partner or spouse, and now you're supposed to figure it out together. I would almost say my situation was slightly reversed in that I did go back to work in an office after my first baby. Um, It was part-time, but it was still like on office days, I was the full like pumping daycare, the whole thing. So because of that, I think my first baby had more opportunity. I had more opportunities to see her cared for by other people. My mom, we had a nanny, then there was daycare. Um, And so I, I I mean, in the first couple months, I was definitely the primary holder and all of that. But after that, I got more used to handing her off because of work. Whereas my second and third baby, I was home full-time. And that was when it really, there was a very clear line of like, I was the baby lady. And then my co-parent took whatever older kids there were. And I don't think yeah. that's bad or good. It was just kind of an easy division of labor. I had the boob. I didn't even give them bottles. Like I just literally yeah, was- I ar- never did either. Like I just-
0: Because your boobs are there. I so why bother? Why right. bother?
1: We didn't really go out. And so um, I think I think we had a good, I think it was fine. Actually, I was trying to think, would I change that? And I, I don't think I would. I think um, Brian bonded really well with whoever the toddler and preschooler were. He got lots of extra kind of bonding time with them it's not that he didn't bond with the baby i mean we were still passing a baby i mean any anytime you have a newborn in the house you're still passing it around even if there's a primary person so i don't feel like he missed out on anything or i did but it was a very clear and easy division of labor that was more apparent um with the second two kids whereas the first one i felt like that was the one where it was set up a little bit more um easy to kind of pass around um I was going to say something about personality type because I think this and I don't know how this played out with you and John when your kids were really tiny, but I'm sure everyone can guess how it plays out in my house because I am more controlling, more um <laughs> yeah. like I I I anticipate things. I think about things before they happen. I usually have a plan in place before Brian has even thought about that this is a thing we need to think about. And you know, I think there's some upsides to that, but there's certainly some downsides, which is I have to really make sure that I give him space to arrive at a thought or a decision or a question on his own mm. and not overstep with, well, I've already done all the research and here's what I think we should do. I don't know. Yeah. And that's, that's a hardwired personality thing for me. So, um, And he is more laid back and more easygoing. So I'm curious how that played out for you guys.
0: Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because I feel like we were more of a mix of the two of you. So mm-hmm. I am more laid back um, than John. I was joke, and John would totally, I'm sure he doesn't listen to this podcast, but maybe he'll be intrigued and want to listen to this episode. I think he would agree that like he tends to say no first and relent later, uh-huh. and I tend to say why not and then regret it later. Okay, so, okay that's really um, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so in that way, I'm definitely more laid back. Uh, I'm more inclined to kind of, let the kids do something as long as I don't see, uh, you know, anything terrible coming out of it. And Mm -hmm. sometimes when you have a yes mentality, it is messy and Mm -hmm. mistakes are made. Um, on the other hand, I was always, I think just because by nature of me being the pregnant one, um, and the fact that I did things a little outside the norm when it came to pregnancy and birth and, and all that stuff, I did a lot of reading. So Mm -hmm. I was definitely more of the researcher, uh, I was like the one who researched and came up with like strong opinions on things, but still was more likely to kind of go with the flow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and he didn't invest as much time researching and all that kind of stuff and was still more likely to say no, mm-hmm. which sometimes rubbed me. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: They're wrong because you way. felt like you
0: had done the. I did all the learning, work. yeah, yeah, all the learning, and I was like, no, listen, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fine. And I think that that was really for us more of a baby, toddler, preschooler thing. Mm-hmm. I, that stuff, I mean, so much of what we do now is more based on instincts, our experiences, and kind of what we agree on,
1: mm-hmm.
0: rather than like the kind of hardcore reading and thinking I was doing when mm-hmm. they were little. So I feel like it's become easier to kind of parent in the moment a little bit I also think I've gotten a little bit better about anticipating possible issues and setting boundaries in the beginning and Mm -hmm. I think he's gotten better about saying yes more than he used to so those are things that I think just became that just got better as we as we just did it longer yeah um I also will say that John is a great baby Dad like he okay. loves babies. He's mm-hmm. like very natural with babies and toddlers and little ones. And then and I love babies, toddlers and little ones, but like I wasn't a big player. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there's a simplicity to that that I think he yeah. really liked and I really like digging in with the older kid mm-hmm. stuff sometimes. And I think he has found that more challenging to get used to because it's like oh, what they have a mind of their own. Right. <laughs> and that's you know like he he's more of a person who likes if he comes up with what he thinks is right, he wants everybody on board. Yeah. And I tend That's to be more open. That's harder kids get older. Yeah. And I tend to be more open to, you know, like, yeah, you have an opinion. I have an opinion. We all have opinions. But like I said, so so let's do it this way. Cool. Great right, guys. It, it's like, it's much more, I'm a little less authoritative about it. Uh-huh. I think. Um, and I, I think both work as long as everyone's aware of, just kind of everyone's aware of the potential. Um, I don't know tripping ground for that or roadblocks with either type yeah so that's something i think like we've gotten better at but it did take having like maybe a couple of teenagers before we got better at that
1: well i'm just listening to you talking a couple of things that have come up for me is number one we probably don't give enough um credence to how much we bring from our own childhood having observed like the parenting that went on how we grew up and then maybe even just other parenting we were exposed to whether there's like You know, siblings who have kids, you know, you had you your sister had kids before you and all the other ways we're exposed to other people's parenting um, is a big factor. And I can see how if there was a like a big gap, you could you would start off just with different expectations. I think we hear from a lot of listeners who, you know, do struggle, especially I would say in like the early toddler years when discipline starts to be a thing, you know, usually for the first year you're not doing much disciplining. And then all of a sudden overnight you right. have a one-year-old. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I feel like like anything else sort of acknowledging like, okay, we're both coming at this with like our own baggage, good baggage, <laughs> bad baggage. Um, we both want the same thing probably, which is a happy, well-adjusted kid. I mean, just it, in painting with a really broad brush. Um, so I think that's where the challenge is is like bringing bringing everything that you have brought to this point and having a common goal in mind for the future. But then what does that actually look like day to day? And the other thing I was thinking of is we've started talking about personality differences. I don't know if you have opinions on this, but I feel like in general, it's good and okay for kids to see that mom and dad are different or maybe approach things differently. I mean, I think at some level you want to be aligned, right? Like you don't want, you don't want to be undermining each other or having one parent who sticks to rules and one parent who always breaks the rules. I think that's probably not ideal, but I think even really young babies can get used to mom and dad doing things differently, whether it's like the bedtime routine. My kids point it out all the time. Dad lets us do this, or when you're out of town, we do this with dad and and I'm like, oh yeah, well, that's cool. He's dad. Right. <laughs> like, and as long as yeah. it's not some fundamental rule that like I feel like he's undermining me, which I don't. I mean, these are things where it's like a stylistic difference. And I think even very young babies can and should get used to those stylistic differences.
0: Yeah. I I agree. And I wanted to back up really quickly to one thing yeah. you said about personality. I my theory that I just concocted in the last five minutes while you were talking. Awesome. Is that um this is the best theories, the ones I just come up with on the fly, is that Sometimes the tension that we have with in-laws really is about seeing our spouse or co-parent like reflected mm-hmm. in the in-law mm-hmm. or the in-law reflected in the co-parent mm-hmm. because it does become like it. So much of it is your family of origin, and mm-hmm. and I could look at John and see exactly things that he did just like the way his dad did mm-hmm. things and just like the way his mom um, did and does as a grandmother. His, his dad passed away a while ago, but like I I can see it, mm-hmm. and I remember not. I, I remember when I was very early. Um, we were very early married and early parenting together, like overreacting to things his mom or dad did with Mm -hmm. the kids. And then Mm -hmm. being like, Oh, it's because it's like taking something I see John doing. Mm -hmm. that's not like what I do, but then it's like at the source. It's like the purest. And you don't love them in the same way. (laughs) So like
1: you don't, you don't have the rest of, you know, the rose colored glasses to soften it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that that is just something interesting to explore. Like once I kind of figured that out, um, how much she was like a, a combination of the two of them. Mm-hmm. It made me like them better. I don't yeah. know. Like it made us all get along better. And I, I was able to let some things go that maybe had been driving me crazy before that because things will drive you crazy because they're different. And when you're, especially when you're a new parent, it's yes. so different. You're, this is the only experience you've ever had is the family of origin you grew up in. Yes. And then whatever you saw happen around you, which probably was coming from your family of origin, yep. Um, either your parents parenting or maybe a sibling parenting. And then now you're confronted with this completely different way of doing things. And of course it causes some tension. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you're
1: brand, when you're brand, brand new also, there's so much insecurity wrapped up in you. When you talked about, like you read up a lot about, you know, pregnancy and birth and you, you have talked about how you got really attached to you know, certain things that you felt were important to you. And I think that that clinging to whatever you have decided (laughs) is so fragile in the early days that co-parenting then can feel like a threat to that. So if I have decided, you know, that I don't want my baby to cry it out and I'm going to do co-sleeping and then I have a spouse or in-laws who maybe even have some like pretty good questions (laughs) or like maybe they're just trying to understand better. It can just feel so threatening. And I think as as we move through this, we let go a little bit of the belief that our, you know, our way has to be fixed. Um, and I I hope so because I think the best co-parenting happens when you do leave room for your way not being the highway, but that's hard.
0: Yeah. Did you ever have any fundamental disagreements with Brian like that? Like something that would affect the both, like uh, co-sleeping right. is a great example or right. crying it out is a great example of something that you can't really one person can't do it one way or the other person does it the other way. Right. That that Never. is setting yourself up for major failure. So where you were not on board and you had to one of you had to completely switch sides or did that not ever happen for you? I
1: don't think it happened in the baby years and I think again because I was the dominant like yeah. we've talked about enneagrams and that's a separate conversation but I am a 1 and I kind of like decide what I'm going to do and then I'm pretty disciplined about sticking to it. He's a 9 which is a peacemaker. So in general, was going along and shared my beliefs about a lot of things. I think now it happens on a smaller scale with things like permissiveness or things like it's, it's small things where I think um, the kids don't need to expect, I don't know, a treat or a toy or something every time you go out of town or like I have, I have these things where I decide I want the kids to have to suffer a little (laughs) like they just, they're really privileged. They really are. And I, I decide I want these like external Like they need to be able to wait. They need to not get everything that they want. And he's much more, um, he loves to give gifts. He loves to surprise them with stuff. He loves to come home with random cookies. So those, like, those are such a, I don't have any of the big fundamental things, but I can think of the smaller things where it is, it is like a fundamental personality thing where I think they should have to wait or be miserable or learn the value of, I don't know what, and he thinks, what's the harm?
0: you know? Yeah. And that's, that's just so basically yeah. you're John and I'm Brian in this, yeah. in this regard. Yeah. And and I was also very fortunate in that when we were fortunate in that when the kids were little, we didn't really majorly disagree on any of the big ones. Like yeah. we didn't disagree about where the babies would be born. We didn't disagree about how they would be fed. We didn't disagree about where they always sleep. kind of figured yeah. out the, um, who would be home or whatever. We just kind of figured that out on the fly as it went. Mm-hmm. Um, even discipline. Like we both, kind of were the same about like, you know, toddler discipline, Mm -hmm. or maybe I was led the, maybe I led the charge there, but he was totally on board, sleeping, crying, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It just happened to kind of work out. But now like we're kind of in a very similar place and it's interesting now because we're not married anymore. So I don't see it play out the same way. And I know that he, um, is more strict about Mm -hmm. certain things is much more of a delegator Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um i'm a delegator but he's almost like a delegator on principle i Mm -hmm. delegate to get stuff done yeah because i see something that needs to be done so i'll be like okay do this do this do this and there's this sort of like hey rah 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 we're all this together is this fun yeah and i think with him it's more like these kids need to work yeah so do this like they need to learn right um and which is also super valid so I just don't see it playing out as much anymore. And so when we do have a conversation, we actually just last night had this long conversation because one of our kids said something that I found super offensive and I'm pretty sure he got it somehow on the internet. And like, Mm -hmm. so we had to have this conversation about it and it kind of led down a rabbit hole of talking about like books the kids are reading and like blah, blah, blah. And like all these things that he'd like put tons of thought into why they should be doing it a certain way. Mm -hmm. And my thought was more of like the, why not? Right like why why do it that way, or why not do it that way? Just right. it's just a very different way of looking at mm-hmm. it, and it's interesting how, now that we're not living in the same house, how it tends to be like like these big debrief sessions where we find all this stuff out about how we're doing things differently, and then I feel like we both adjust a little bit or don't yeah. it doesn't really matter that much, honestly, because none of it is life or death, and cool. i and like what you said, parent, they can get used to each parent doing it differently
1: they can, and i I think we should spend a few minutes talking about when there is a disagreement or a gap. Yeah. Um. How, how do you talk about that? Because when your babies are like nonverbal, you could talk about it all day long over the sleeping infant. You could talk about, okay, right. should we do co-sleeping? What do you think? Should yeah. we do that? And then all of a sudden the kids are right there listening. And it's a very right. different thing to, to undercut what somebody's in the middle of doing. And I am a hundred percent guilty of this. And I think I've gotten better but stepping into quote unquote help with a discipline issue or a something that I'm seeing that isn't playing out the way I would do it. Um, again, I think I'm better about it, but I I'm still guilty of it. Um, and that is not helpful. It is not helpful. So if it's not happening in the moment, um, then it's got to happen like when the kids are asleep. And I think we find that hard sometimes. I don't want to talk about the kids anymore. Like I have just parented for 12 hours. Right. I don't I, I have a mom podcast. I write about parenting. <laughs> like I really don't enjoy dissecting kid behavior and talking more about parenting at eight o'clock when they're in their beds asleep. But sometimes I think that's when it needs to happen. Like a quick little debrief you know, hey, this is what I'm noticing. This is how I've chosen to handle it. Or, hey, I saw you handling this this way. Just want to clue you in. I mean, Brian's got great instincts. He's really loving. He will sometimes miss something that I have noticed is going on. Like say he comes home and there's a sibling dynamic going on. It's very different to jump into a sibling dynamic when you haven't seen the behavior of the last two and a half hours like I have. So I might pull him aside real quick and just say, by the way, so-and-so has it coming. Like, I know it's going to seem like, the, you know, they're at the receiving end, but let me tell you, they have been the aggressor for the last two hours. So give the other one a little bit of grace when you see them explode. So like, I think you have to have these little mini, it's like in West Wing, like the like fast walking hallway conversations where like, you just have to have little debriefs. And then I think if you, if you're good at doing that and practicing, like checking in with each other and you and John, you you still have to do it, even though you're not married to each other, the little check-ins, then hopefully you don't get to that point where now there's this great big Cavernous divide in something bigger, but you do have have to check in.
0: You do have to check in, and and for us because it's good and bad. We don't get to do it like that. Well, I guess the good part is because when you divide and conquer, I don't really have to worry about him walking into a situation he hasn't been part of and making the wrong call because it's either me or him. Right. So in some ways, it buys us both the freedom to see things for what they are and to be totally all in when we're all in and then out when we're not. And I. I've actually found that very liberating. I really like not having to worry about what he's doing when I'm not around. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, or vice versa, or have to worry that, um, a situation is going to get misread because I was there and he wasn't or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, it's actually, I've, I enjoy it quite a bit actually, but, um, but we do have to be more, um, I guess intentional about making sure we do that checking in and don't wait until things are kind of falling apart. And, I actually have a standing meeting on our calendar that I we got really bad about doing over the summer. There just didn't seem to be any point. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's like Wednesday afternoon when he's getting the kids. Like, let's really briefly it could be 10 minutes. Yeah. Just talk about whose homework, you know, didn't get done this week yeah. or how are they sleeping or blah, blah, blah. What's going on yeah. in the house? Then that's something that I think, you know, just put on the calendar. If something's on the calendar, it tends to get.
1: Yeah. Done. Well, and I'm I'm married to my co-parent and I can still say that, like I said, a lot of times it's me not really. I'm just too tired to talk about it all after they're in bed, but it is good to make time for it. And the other thing I was going to say is I think we do a lot of what you guys are doing, even though we are married. And when I, when you were talking about whoever's in charge, let that person be in charge. And that like, if, if Brian has started something with the kids, he's told them about a plan or he's asked them to do a chore. They'll sometimes come to me and be like, well, what about this? And I just say, well, that's it's just with dad. Like he's, he's the one he is wearing the, parent in charge hat for that particular thing. And we do that even when we're both in the same house. And I do think it's helpful because it's, it's not helpful obviously to undermine and say, you know, and then the kids say, well, dad said this. And then I say, well, it's, it stays with him then. Like if, you know, who called this meeting? Like if you're in a, if you're in a business situation, like there's a project manager, who's the lead on this particular thing. And it might be mom and it might be dad, but it kind of should stay with whoever started it. I feel like.
0: I I agree, and I that was something I had to kind of learn how to do after becoming divorced. Because first of all, to be honest, the kids just came to me for everything. Everything. Yeah. Either they came to me as the originator, they came to me as trying to get something better than right. they're trying to get a better offer than dad's offer, right? Or like as the I guess uh, a reinforcer. So like they were still always coming to me, and I think when we were married, I just often kind of went along with it. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. You know, you get busy, you're not paying attention. I would just be in the middle of something and want them to go away. So I'd be like, Yeah, yeah, or no, no. Or what did dad say, do that or whatever, but I didn't put a lot of time into it. Mm -hmm. And I had to get much better about saying that's between you and dad or Mm -hmm. like that's a dad decision. And at first it almost felt kind of snotty. Like Yeah. Like I was passing the buck. And it's not. I mean, what I was doing was leaving it in leaving the ball in his court that started in his court. And it's it was the right thing to do. But it did take it did take a little bit of um I don't know, practice. It feels that. much better now. And I think that, you know, another thing they've kind of learned is they can't play us against each other. Yeah, they, They've tried to do that a couple of times. Yeah. And it has not gone well for them.
1: Yeah. Well, whether so. you're married or not married, I think having, having kids know that is important because the, yes. the wheels will fall off if they think they can pit one against the other or take advantage of one or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's let's take a break and talk about a couple of sponsors and then we'll get back into this fascinating stuff.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to introduce Filane. Filane is a clean beauty retailer. They sell really luxurious products that are also effective and safe to use. And I love that they have an approval process where they do all the testing, research and validation upfront before they launch the product so that you can feel really good about using it. That's really important because I learned, didn't know this before, but our skin absorbs up to 60% of the ingredients we apply to it. Which is making me feel motivated to make sure that I'm putting things on my skin that I can feel good about. Um, Fulane has a naughty list of restricted ingredients that they don't put in any of their products. We got to try their Clean Essentials Kit recently. This, this is their daily skincare routine. It comes with the trial sizes of cleanser, toner, face cream, and a multi purpose soap. I loved the face cream, by the way, but I also loved how ev- everything felt great going on and my skin felt fantastic afterward and didn't have to worry about any mystery ingredients. So you can try out this Clean Essentials Kit. It's 100% non-toxic, vegan, cruelty-free, and suitable for all skincare types. It's a great place to start if you've been wanting to clean up your skincare routine and you just aren't sure where to start. That was me. We've got an offer that's going to make that really easy. You can get the Clean Essentials Kit for just $22. That's 50% off. I want you to go to fullanecom slash themomhour and enter the mom hour at checkout for free shipping. Again, that dot com slash the mom hour and enter the mom hour at checkout. You're going to get free shipping and you're going to get that clean essentials kit for just $22. That's 50% off.
1: I love it. I loved getting to try the Follain stuff as well. Well, I need to talk about dinner time, guys. I know that ideally we're serving our family's home-cooked meals and we're all sitting down and eating the same thing. And that's still what I strive for, to be honest. But in reality, it only happens... You know, two or three times a week. And the rest of the time for scheduling or other various reasons, my kids are eating something different from the grown-ups. And we recently got to try Yumble. Which is a nutritious meal delivery service for kids that I think is really a lifesaver for just this. For these busy seasons where you know ahead of time that the kids are going to be eating kid food, they're not going to be eating what the adults are eating, but you still want to keep nutrition a priority. So you're trying to avoid the drive-through and the pizza orders. So the meals come ready to eat; you don't have to cook. They can be heated to serve in 60 seconds. And if you imagine like old-school TV dinners with the, you know, all the things that kids love, like chicken tenders and mac and cheese, are the menu options. Only these are nutritionist approved, and they're made with hormone-free proteins, whole grain and superfoods. Yumble was founded by a mom who wanted to create a company that helps out other moms, which is totally something I can get behind. And if you are entering a crazy time of life, like a new baby or a move or some other situation where you know that family meals are going to be a challenge, why not just give yourself the gift of nutritious kids meals delivered to your door? So head to yumblekids.com and use the promo code MOMHOUR30 at checkout to get 30% off your first two weeks. Again, it's yumble, Y-U-M-B-L-E, kids.com, and the promo code is MOMHOUR30. 30 to save
0: 30% off your first two weeks. Love it. We are going to dive I back. have a question that okay. came up. Me, I'm driving the bus now. All right. Just for over. a minute. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, g- I'm going to let you take the wheel back in a minute because I just had this question that came up. Yeah. And I do think it's really interesting that we talked about. I, I guess I'd love to hear from listeners because we mentioned that neither of us really had major um, disagreements with either of our spouses or co mm-hmm. parents in the beginning when when all those really heavy you know, those, the questions that feels so, you know, they're just so like, I don't know, important at the time. Yeah. Um, neither of us had to deal with really having a major disagreement about that. And I would love to hear from people who did and how they got through Mm -hmm. it, because that feels to me like a big deal. Like you can only either have your baby at home or in, or in the hospital or the birth center. You can't, you know what I mean? Like you can't do it halfway Yeah. and it's, or like where the baby sleeps and all that, you know, where, what the baby eats, all those kinds of things. Um, I will say when I've been asked this question in the past, um, I tend to think that the parent whose life will be most affected, like I think everyone should get a say, mm-hmm. but I feel like the parent whose life will be most affected by the decision should be the one that gets to make the final call. Yeah. Um, I think like, that makes a lot of sense. And and maybe that's not always practical um, because really everyone's life is affected by like where a baby sleeps. But mm-hmm. that's also a very temporary thing. Or um, – where a baby is born, or what are those kinds of things? You know, like I really do feel like it makes the most sense for the parent who's most affected to get to make that call. But then, how do you even decide who that parent is? I don't know. Do you have thoughts, Sarah?
1: Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, we talked about how both you and I were drawn to like reading and research in the yeah. early motherhood days. And I think, um, I think there's this is tricky. Like, I think handing your co parent a book and saying, you know, this is your assigned reading because this is the plan we're going to follow. That could backfire depending on personalities. But on the other hand, so the argument for educating your co-parent, I think, or saying, you know, this is what I've been reading about. These are the... These are the people I've been listening to, or this is the um, this is the philosophy that feels really right for me. I'd love for you to learn a little bit about it and make it easy on them. Print print off print off an article or download a podcast or something to say you know this is important enough to me that I've done a bunch of research. I'm not going to make you do all the same research, but but I'd love to let you in on the learning that I've been doing. And I think that's very different than saying here's the plan for sleep training. This is what we're doing. It's not open for discussion. Now, if the co-parent also is interested in research and has done a bunch of their own, that's tough. I mean, I feel like a lot of times it's more because one parent has thought a lot harder about something and the other is probably acting on just instincts or what they know or what they grew up with. And they're not particularly like driven to present a bunch of data To the opposite. I mean, that would be, I think that would be tough. I I can't think of a situation, but a lot of times I think it's slowing down to say, this is why it's important to me. This is the information that I feel like is leading me to this place. And I would love for you to come along with me um, so that we can do things, you know, do things in alignment with each other. Now, having said that, I also think it's totally fine for that co parent to not do exactly like you only have to get to a shared like foundational place. You don't yes. have to get to a place with discipline or sleep where... Or diapering it's, or, or any of yeah, those Yeah, you things. don't have to get to where it's identical. You just have to get to the place where you're coming from a shared philosophy, I think.
0: Where right? I think you have to get to the place where neither uh, is totally undermining yes. or like wrecking the effects of the other yes. because then it can become like what's the point <laughs> you know or or like why not just go in together on one strategy and another thing I would say is if you're going to do the approach I like the approach like this is what I read this is why it's really important to me I would just caution to use that sparingly yes um, I think sometimes new moms especially can go into like information parrot mode yes and nobody wants to be parroted too nobody wants to be educated all day long
1: and not everybody likes research and data either right so like you really could be actually undermining your case if you're sending studies every four hours from your phone um
0: that's why you could also say and if it's in the case of like something that might seem a little weird to your co-parent you could just say let's try it uh uh-huh i like that you know let's try it let's give it a week and see what we think And, and and but like the agreement being everyone's kind of on, really on board. On like board. the other person's not like rolling their eyes and waiting for your experiment to fail so they can get back to doing things the way they want to, um, yeah. or, you know, not doing them at all. Right. So yeah, it's, it's tricky. And I think I would like to hear from some people who've been through this and came out the other side the, successfully.
1: The other thing that I think has worked for us and that if you do have a more dominant disposition, like I do, is to think of the things that that are hills you don't want to die on as to use my favorite phrase that you gave me, Megan, like there are things in my parenting life that I really don't feel that strongly about. I don't, um, I don't do a lot of research about, I don't care (laughs) that much about, and maybe those are areas where you can let your co-parent take the lead or ask what they think, or I'll just give one example. And that is, um, my kids are 10, eight and five, and we still don't give them allowances because I just am lazy and haven't ever figured out a way that, a system that works. And Megan, we, we did an episode on this, but we should probably do another someday. Um,
0: but I've changed so many times the way I do allowances and don't do allowances. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that was one where, um, I, I had heard about some cool ways to think about things. I had even heard of a book and I just told, and Brian's a financial planner. That's he's a personal financial planner. He sees everyday people who grow up with really messed up Um, understandings of money and belief systems about money and I was like I would love if you just sort of take the lead on things involving allowances saving you know teaching our kids about this stuff and just a hundred percent go with whatever he decides and you know we've done that and I can think of others that's kind of like a big one but I can think of other smaller things where it's just not I just I don't need to be in charge, and so if yeah. you are a more dominant person, maybe find some ways where you don't need to be in charge and really let go. Let the co-parent completely take the lead and see what it feels like to just not have to be the one who makes all the decisions. It's kind of nice,
0: well, we talk a lot about mental and emotional loads that moms take on, yeah, and I think we need to acknowledge it a lot of times we do that to ourselves, yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you know I mean it it does end up becoming a problem when it all piles on, and not only are you the one who's writing all the thank you notes, but also remembering that it's, you know, next week you're supposed to take, go to the in-laws for dinner. And also you're the one thinking about the parenting. Like there's so many things, especially, I think, especially when you're married, actually, that go into that emotional and mental load. Mm -hmm. But so much of it we take on ourselves. Yep. And so much of it, if we didn't, like no one would care. Right. It wouldn't be the end of the world. So I just think that's also something like when you're saying let go, like what a gift that is to give to yourself. No kidding.
1: And if you think about it, think of the things that are like your hot button issues with your co-parent right now and how like things that irritate you of the way they do things say, how many of those are actually a reflection of you feeling bad about yourself or have holding yourself yep. to a high standard and you're just reflecting it on them because that's what we do because <laughs> we're humans. Yeah, that is what we do. Yep. So, I mean, I think it's a really good opportunity to... Yeah, just an exercise in letting go. And that doesn't mean let go of the things that are fundamentally important to you. Um, I think it will be really interesting, Megan, to hear from listeners who um, have come to like really big points of impasse where two parents come with two totally different philosophies that they are both holding on strong to. I think probably what we hear more of is this feeling like, dad's not helping enough or right. he doesn't appreciate me or these yes. are, the, this is like where we come back to some stereotypes, but there's some truth in to some of this, what a lot of moms feel is not being either supported or appreciated or dad gets to swoop in and be the fun one. And, and that I think is probably like you said, it's the result of a lot of, um, extended, not martyrdom. That's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? It's an extended exercise in being too hard on ourselves and letting that lash out to the co-parent.
0: Well, I remember how mad I used to get, you know, when my kids were past newborn well past like into late infancy and i would get really mad because anytime john wanted to go do something he would just go Mm -hmm. and interesting i felt like i had to like set up basically as though i was going on a six-week journey (laughs) and like almost ask permission and set everything up so that nothing would go wrong while i was gone and i'm talking like to run out to get i never ran out to get like you know a tea from the tea shop and just sat there and read a magazine like I didn't do that because I was like well I've got stuff to do here and I just didn't and I realized he'd be like it was never like a question it was like hey I'm gonna run to Home Depot or whatever it was and then I thought there's no reason I can do that too there's no reason I can't do that I can totally do that but I he's not gonna remind me to do it like I have to be the one that that does that and I think so much of that became ingrained when I was a newborn mom when you feel like that clock is ticking like yep yeah, I'm going to leave and it's going to be cr- crazy and terrible. And the baby's going to cry the whole time and blah, blah, blah. And so you end up tearing around town, no time spent on yourself, no time at leisure. Yeah. And everything you want to do for yourself has to be kind of like carefully planned. And that does not last that long. That right. period of time does not need to last as long as like we sometimes put it <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so I just started kind of getting in the habit of doing it. And it took me a long time because yeah. by the time I realized what an irritant that was for me, yeah. I was very ingrained in that um, logically I knew it made no sense, right? but I still was really ingrained in it. I want to, and this is actually a great segue into traveling as a mom. Mm-hmm. We've talked about traveling as a mom. Um, in I think we did a whole episode. Yeah. About we it. did
1: a two parter where it's when you're the one traveling and then when this when yeah. your co-parent is traveling. But yeah.
0: Co-parents traveling. Um, That for me, when I really started traveling for work was in so many of these dynamics started to change because not only did I realized that the world didn't fall apart if I left for a day or two or four days. But John got the freedom to figure stuff out for himself. And then he had to figure out that also parenting is a lot more 24-7 than sometimes it feels when you're the second parent in a house where the other parent takes over a lot. See, I very diplomatically put that, didn't I? But (laughs) like when you're the parent who's always jumping in, the other parent never really has to deal with the fact that, Kids are always kids and they might have a need at any time of the day yep. or night. And um, I think that me traveling made a huge difference there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I also wanted to mention that when we were talking about another thing that I think comes up a lot as a co-parenting topic um, that I don't know that we have time to get into today, but is a big one is routines and rituals, traditions, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we did a whole episode about that. Mm-hmm. But I know that caused tension in our family. The fact that I wanted to do Christmas differently. Mm-hmm. And that's a parenting decision. The way you're going to relate to gift giving and how you do Christmas Eve versus Christmas morning or how you do different holidays or whatever it is, those are parenting decisions. They only happen once a year or whatever, but they still count. Yeah, no, that's so
1: true. And I think it comes back to what we were talking about is you have to find the way that works for you to talk about this stuff. Ahead of time, if possible, but it's not always possible because sometimes we have misunderstandings and things play out, and you're like, oh, we should have talked about that and we didn't. But you have to build in the time to get on the same page, I think. Um, And you have to find the things that are important enough to you to hang on to and the things that aren't important and you can let go of. It's like anything else in a two person relationship. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, Sarah, I have one more. I have another question. You really took over this bus. I did. Sorry. Am I like, <laughs> am I being controlling? I love it. Okay. Because it, like things just keep coming into my head as we're talking. Um, here's something that's only come up for me probably three or four times, but this has been really hard. And it's how do you make a snap discipline decision when something has to be dealt with like mm-hmm. right now, but you really aren't sure what your, your co-parent would think or say, because literally this is not something you ever saw coming. And I've had, the older my kids have gotten, the more, mm-hmm. Yeah, They just do crazy crap sometimes. Yeah, And it's like you get the call from the principal or you walk in and find something in their bedroom that shouldn't be there yeah. or whatever the, you know, I'm not going to give examples about my kids, but yeah. like I've had both of those. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm not going to give examples names, other than those two that I just Those gave.
0: two, um, but I won't get into specifics. But like there's all this pressure to deal with it right then. Mm-hmm. But you have no idea what your co-parent would think. You don't even know what you think. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think... The way I ended up dealing with these only because I couldn't think of anything else to do in the moment was I literally just held my hand up and said, I can't talk about this right now. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, wait till your father gets home. Yeah. Although I, I see how that could be implied. Yeah. Um, but it was like, I can't talk to you about this right now. I need to talk to dad. So and I know that I left a suffering kid. Yeah. In both situations.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but hey, that's being a kid, you know, I mean, I remember that as a kid, like having those moments where my mom or my stepmom or whoever was like saying, I can't deal with this. And it really was a, just wait till your father gets home. But yeah. now I get it because yeah. it wasn't like, just wait till your father gets home. He's going to whip you. It was like, just wait till your father gets home. I can't deal with yeah. this situation. And I need. Yeah, I need uh, like a backup. Yeah. And I think that that actually is good because they see that you're waiting you're going to hold out right. until the other parent can get on board.
1: Well, I like that kids see I mean you're you're giving examples of like transgressions and discipline issues, but I right. can see it extending into any kind of family decision and I hear myself saying a lot like, well, let me talk to dad. Let us talk yeah. that over. And I think it's I think it's healthy for kids to see co-parenting as it plays out. I'm sure they see stuff that's not the best example of co-parenting, but they probably also see good examples of co-parenting, which is let me check with my co-parent, my co-pilot, my like the other adult in this house. And, you know, we'll make a decision together as a family. And I was just, I was seeing that play out, not necessarily with discipline, but with other things too. When kids ask, can we do this? Or, you know, can we go here as a family? Well, I got to talk to dad, you know, we make those decisions together. So,
0: yeah. yeah. And I I will also say um, just to, I guess to kind of wrap that thought up on a positive note if you are a single mom or co-parenting or maybe see that coming in your future where you'll be divorced and co-parenting with someone you're not married to Mm -hmm. um, in so many ways that has become better Mm -hmm. because I have to say those words so often yeah like I have to say I don't know let me talk to dad 10 times as much as I used to right because I'm not just jumping in and fixing everything now. Right. I'm not just jumping in and making all the decisions. And that's been a good lesson for me. Right. That I don't... Just because I was the parent who was physically more around before doesn't mean I always had the right to be the one to make all the calls. Right. I just often did because I was there anyway. And why not? And I figured he would go along. Yeah. And usually it worked out. But... There is something more respectful sometimes to the other parent and also really instructive for the kids to see you say, you know, I really need to talk to dad about that. Yeah. And I have to say that all the time now because I really have no idea what he'll say otherwise. And it did take some getting used to like for a little while I was almost resentful that I had to give up that role of being the ultimate decision maker um, for my family. I'm still the ultimate decision maker if it has anything to do with my home. Sure. But if it's a shared decision or something that would affect the other parent. I got to check with him and I can't assume that we're just going to work it out, you know, later after the kids go to bed Yeah. because I don't know, I don't really know where he's at with some of these things. We need to talk about it. And I think that that's actually been in some ways really positive. Yeah. So I guess just leaving that with like a positive spin.
1: Yeah. um, And that can be tricky. And I think we talked about, this is reminding me of our teacher episode. We talked about giving teachers the benefit of the doubt that you have, that they have your child's best interest in mind. And I think that's the same for co-parents giving your co-parent, The benefit of the doubt that they want the best for your kids, even when things, even when it feels like they're not helping around the house or even when it feels like you're not on the same page, um, starting with that, starting with the belief that you both want what's best for the kids and and giving a lot of um, giving a lot of grace. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap up. We're going to tell you guys that those two episodes you mentioned, Megan, are our Cue It Up. It is Traveling Spouses, Traveling Selves, Parts 1 and 2 from January and February of 2016. And there's definitely a lot of more about co-parenting in there because it's about when one or the other leaves town. Um, and then stick around, guys, because Allison and I are chatting baby names coming up next. Hey, guys, it's Sarah and I am here with Allison Thompson. Hey, Allison. Hey there, Sarah. So hopefully you guys caught the first few segments we have done with Allison. She is at the moment I am talking to her. She is still pregnant with baby number two, but we're kind of spreading out when we air these. So um, if you follow Allison at Crunchy Cocktail Hour, which you should, and I hope you listen to her podcast and follow them on Instagram. Um she may actually have a baby by the time this airs I'm sure you will Allison um, That's the hope <laughs> That is that is the how this all works in the end so it's oh, it's a little <laughs> funny with the the real time delay here but we have a fun topic today so so far we kind of introduced you to our listeners and then we talked about pregnancy and your second pregnancy we talked about birth, at least as much as you knew before this baby was born. And today we're kind of doing a little bit of a fluff topic, but important, important fluff. And that is choosing a name for this baby. I think so, think my of all, favorite topic too. Yeah. It's such a fun topic. <laughs> um, Remind everybody about the child you already have and her name and um the gender of this one, just in case they're brand new.
2: Yeah. So Claire is uh, going to be two in November. So she's in that almost two phase which can be a lot of fun and challenging in its own ways um and i'm expecting another girl in september so um you know you it's so funny when you have two of the same gender right after each other because you use your favorite girl's name
1: yeah like we have to figure figure out to do (laughs) so okay so tell me this how much do you guys discuss names since you did find out the gender how much do you guys discuss names before you found out the gender
2: so I found out the gender really early. Okay. I actually found out at 14 weeks. Okay. Um, so we've known and, and I feel like I knew it was a girl pretty quickly, just I had just had that feeling. Okay. Um but so I'd say we don't really discuss names until we're like, oh no, <laughs> we need to figure out a name. But until then it's me. Like throwing spaghetti at the wall with my husband, being like, "What do you think of this? What do you think of
1: that?" And, and so, tell me what that looks like. Are you the type to scour the books? Do you have like running lists? And how does he respond when you throw stuff against? The
2: wall? <laughs> so a bit of all of those things. I have uh, an Excel spreadsheet. Of oh my course, gosh! Because I'm a consultant, um, so I have an Excel spreadsheet that puts. It, there's actually formulas in it. And I'm realizing how nerdy this sounds That's as awesome. I'm saying <laughs> That's awesome. But so that way I can figure out monograms and initials and how it would sound, middle names and our last names. I feel like you name. could sell this, Allison. People would pay I money for this spreadsheet. All right. Maybe maybe we'll we'll include this in the show notes. Okay. If it would be useful to folks, I'd be Seriously. happy to share. Um, and so I have had a running list from when I was pregnant with Claire Interestingly enough, a lot of them kind of fell off, either because um, you know, we didn't go with it for a reason, it was too popular, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Um, so I have we've had that running list and then I look at baby books. I have a lot of conversations. Sarah, I'm pretty sure that I asked you a million baby I name questions. <laughs> but I,
1: I really love to talk about this kind of stuff. And my sister had just had a baby girl like six months before. So I was like, I still had them all fresh in my head. <laughs> Wait, remind me, what did she go with? She has Sydney. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, yeah um but yeah so and
2: then just talking to friends who made suggestions we actually asked our listeners which was a lot of fun and they had some actually beautiful suggestions um but it's it's trying to figure out what makes sense with our family as well so i think that's one of the other pieces and and you were gonna mention that but we now have a family of three and we all have pretty short names okay so it's, um, my name's Allison, obviously. Yes. Um, my husband's name is Kyle. Uh-huh. And then uh, my daughter's name is Claire. So my, you know, we have to have something that kind of fits with the family. Right. If I all of a sudden had like a Francesca, it might right. not really work it, work well. So-
0: Now, how would um, you describe doing your
1: it? like baby girl name style? Like if you, if it had to be like under one of the sub chapters in a book, like where would you put yourself?
2: Oh, interesting. Um, I would say, I would have said um, classic with Irish backgrounds. Okay, I
1: like it. I like it.
2: Yeah. I really I really gravitate towards English and Irish names. Um since we've started, you know, throwing the spaghetti at the wall for this name. Um, I've gone a little bit more eighties, nineties, which I found interesting. Interesting. I, yeah. I'm I never fascinated. would have fascinated. I know, um, and then you know I love a lot of the masculine names
1: for girls, uh-huh.
2: um, but none of them have stuck with my husband. Okay, so those, those how, do you out. think
1: he has a style, or is he just sort of one-off responding to the things that you toss out?
2: Um, he has, he has opinions in the negative
1: more than he has yeah. That's it. how my husband opinions is
2: in the <laughs> it, it makes it so you're like, all oh, right, we'll throw some suggestions out there then um but he really likes classic names yeah so um he tends towards like his absolute favorite um middle name that was my my daughter's middle name Catherine and then mm-hmm. we really also like he really likes Elizabeth as well mm-hmm. like super super duper ca-
1: um uh, classic and mm-hmm. traditional names do you have so that's a, been a challenge that is a challenge do you have a mm-hmm. middle name picked or will it be subject to like how it goes with the first name Subject to how it goes with the
2: first name, okay. we did with my daughter. So that okay. was my first daughter. So my mom's name is Catherine, and it was okay. really important to me to kind of yeah. honor her in that name. So it's Claire Catherine, and we we often call her CC.
1: Oh, I like that. It's Catherine so, with a C. That's really cute. yeah. I know. And I got more. I got more family oriented with middle names as we went on, which you would think would oh, almost be the opposite. Allegra's middle yeah. name is Bryn, and it was oh, purely because we liked it. I actually really love the name Bryn as a first name, but um, hey, it's one syllable and Irish, by the way.
2: I know. Um, actually, I
1: was like, "Ooh, that one hasn't made it." To but the my last. husband's name—my husband's name is Brian with a Y. So having a Brian with a and a Bryn would literally mean their names were like one letter different. But like, it, it just it was like not the same as naming her after him. It was almost like more confusing because he's B R Y A N and her middle name Bryn, is B R Y N N. It was like too similar. Um, so we didn't do it with a first name, but we did it for a middle, and it was purely because I liked the name. And then as we went on both my second and third kids have family names for middle names. So it's just That's funny. Like it, you'd think I would be more sentimental or more like family honoring the first time. But yeah, middle names figure in. And then like you said, how it goes with the sibling names. So do you have any like criteria of about about it starting? Is, is it Does it need to start with the letter C or anything like that to be, it to match? It
2: doesn't. And actually when we were naming Claire, almost every name we liked started with a C. Okay. And so a lot of our top, when we were, um, when I was uh, pregnant this time, were C names. Mm-hmm. But I actually, I'm I, I'm almost steering away from yeah. them because they feel too similar. So I yeah. want them to be close, but not too close. Um, actually, a girlfriend of mine suggested the name Blair, which is another one that I love. Yeah, that's a cute but name. But Claire and Blair yeah, is, no. is just so close. Yeah. It's <laughs> a little too close for yeah. me.
1: <laughs> I do like having three kids with three different initials and different first initials than us. It is oh, kind yeah. of randomly convenient. Sometimes like you can literally just list out for playing a game of Yahtzee or something. You can just list out everybody's first initial and there's no duplicate. So
2: I love um, that's like the most random example of that really
1: being convenient. But yeah. you wouldn't think about it. Right. <laughs> and then the other thing is I do know families where like all the kids start with the same letter. And I think it can be really cute. Um, mm-hmm. But it's been kind of nice, actually, that everybody kind of has their has their own. Um, Okay. So again, we have a, we have a time delay here. We're recording this and this baby isn't here yet. By the time listeners hear it, she will be, and she will have a name, but just to step into the present moment, like you are on a major deadline, like you need to decide. So how's that going to (laughs) happen? Uh, Good question. So, um, right now
2: I'm actually in the early stages of labor. So (laughs) yes, my deadline is coming up pretty quickly here. Um, we, so we're recording this on a Thursday. We have a date night schedule for Saturday where we have decided that we are going to go out for dinner and not leave dinner until (laughs) we've decided on what we're going to name this baby, or at least narrowed it down to two. Like, I feel like that, that would be appropriate. Um, so we are putting a,
1: a deadline on this and now, we will name this baby. Do you think like, are you the type that might need to see her face? Like a lot of people say yes. that we're just going to wait. And i that was never me. But I also had like scheduled C-sections. I knew a lot in advance. So I just knew. And you're a planner. I, and I'm a planner. <laughs> and I think it was hard enough for us to find names that if we found one we both liked it was like, why, why keep? You know, why keep the door open for more confusion? But I know a lot, I think I'm on the, I'm more the exception. I think a lot of people go in with a few names and then meet the baby. And then some people even go days without like totally yeah. committing. So are you, you're open to going in with like a couple choices?
2: Yeah. So that's what we did with Claire, actually. So we had narrowed it down to Claire and Charlotte um, before she was born. And I think we were both leaning towards Claire, but hadn't mm-hmm. really 100% decided. Um, and then when we met her, they did the whole, what's her name? And we both just looked at each other a little bit panicked. <laughs> and luckily, you both said Claire at the same time. Oh, that's cute um, <laughs> Yeah. So I think um, I think this time we'll probably do the same thing. We'll be leaning in one direction. We'll have a couple that we really like. Um, and then if we meet her and say she's definitely not a whatever, right. um, you know, we have a, a few extra now, <laughs> that we, we agree on.
1: So you haven't been super secretive about the fact that you're still debating, but you're also not like laying out the choices for our votes. Have you been sharing like with your close family? Like, do you let people weigh in with opinions? Cause I know that's really hard for a lot of people.
2: Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> and I say that uh, we, we had a short list for a period of time. Um, and I would sort of test them out with people and get thoughts. Um, we kind of tapered back on that because even, even my my family is very um you know they're they're quick to have jokes and everything yeah. so when we did share our shortlist the first thing that happened is everybody decided to make jokes about them yeah and we i decided that i was way too pregnant to yeah. not take that seriously yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> i scaled back a little bit um, and so we stopped sharing our shortlist so widely um, and actually what it's done is made me less sure of the name by not sharing it with oh. people OK, you know what I mean, Like yeah. I, I feel like we were narrowing down and now I now I feel all over the place. So, so
1: one you know, little there's- possibility is when you're out at dinner on Saturday night, if you do come to that decision, you tell a couple of strangers. So we would do this because we Ooh. didn't tell anybody we knew, not close family, nobody. Um, because I just didn't want the opinions and because everything like everything was planned I had planned c-sections like I knew the gender so we just wanted the name to be the one like surprise for our friends and family it wasn't just to avoid the opinions that was like half of it and the other half was just to have something fun to announce so we were so strict I mean not best friends not anybody and it drove people crazy oh it was kind of fun like it was it was our little thing and um but I think with all three kids toward the very, very, very end, I would just randomly when somebody would ask that I wasn't going to see again, like a cab driver or like, you know, somebody in the OB's office or like somebody who's never going to run into anyone I know, I would just tell them. And it was fun to like test the reaction, but it not have it be someone that like somebody club. Yes. Whose opinion yeah. I was going to have to like then grapple with because they're like a real person in my life. So that was kind of fun. So you guys could decide on Saturday and then just tell your bartender. I love that idea.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The other thing I've heard is um, use it as your Starbucks order. Oh, and if you I'd like the way that. it sounds when they announce it, then
1: <laughs> you'll like it. I hadn't heard that one. I had heard yell it at a playground. <laughs> like, oh, neat. Because just like to like, just how does that sound? Because that's when you're really going to be using that kid's name is like yelling it at a playground. You could also <laughs> no, see how popular so it true. is with like how many three-year-olds turn around. The um, other thing it has to do is pass the
2: the Mean Girl test, which Larissa does for me, oh. where she... She says what all the playground
1: uh, nicknames would be. Right. I know. The and negative sh- ones. She's good at that kind of thing. She is good at that. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> We could talk about this forever, but we're going to wrap up and I would say listeners first of all, you should be listening to the Crunchy Cocktail Hour podcast because it's fantastic. You should be following them on Instagram. And if you're curious about what this baby girl's name actually is, it shouldn't take too much internet sleuthing to find it out because by the time you're hearing this, this baby is is on this side with us. Yes. So, um, okay, Allison, this was was really fun and listeners you can find everything out about our show as always at themomhour.com and allison's podcast is crunchy cocktail hour
2: all right thanks allison thanks so much sarah